Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. (laughs) It may be the nighttime. But the sports talk doesn't stop. Sports talk radio that's live, local. And not for the faint of heart. Oh, you didn't know? Sometimes angry. Loud noises! Telling it like it is. You insulted him a little bit. You got a little out of order yourself. And pretty much always right. Don't ever argue with the big dog. Big dog is always right. Text or call 404-741-0929 and be part of the show. Well, we're waiting. Live from the Kia Studios, it's time for the John Chuckery Show. Serving you up sports on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. And welcome into Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Yes, it is time for the John Chuckery Show. Hanging out with you here in the Kia Studios on this Tuesday evening. With you for the full four. We ask you to download the Odyssey app. You're not in the car as much. You want to listen in. Put the Odyssey app on one of your devices today. Take your smartphone. You can use your Alexa speakers. You can use your tablet. You can use your DVD player, your Texas Instruments calculator, your scanner. Whatever your device is, just download it on something to be able to catch us when you're on the go. Social media is at 929 The Game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Best way to be a part of the show, follow us on our personal Twitter pages. I am at JMCH316. That is your water cooler talking points three to six months in advance of anybody else that is out there producing the show on the other side of the glass. He is back. He's made it one day in a row at underscore Dylan Matthews. Dylan, 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 and Dylan. Mm-hmm. That's more Dylons than you're here during the week. But anyway, um, well, a uh, lot to get into here this evening. Um, you know, let's obviously start with the Atlanta Hawks. Is you know, first game of this five-game road trip and out west, and you know, Hawks give up 129 points in the game. Last night. Um, so other than the fact that they were missing Trey Young, other than the fact that they didn't have enough guys step up around, and other than the fact that they couldn't play perimeter defense, things went really well for the Hawks last night. They lose 129-125. Uh, DeJounte Murray, I mean, 38 minutes, he scored 40 points, eight boards, seven assists, had a couple of steals in the game. He was 13 for 25. That's hucking it up. He was 5 of 8 from 3, though, and he was 9 for 9 from the free throw line. And we're going to get into some discussion about the Hawks, you know, and we're going to open up the phone lines here in the next segment. Now, we'll also talk to our buddy Pat Benson. He covers the Atlanta Hawks for Sports Illustrated, and we'll get his thoughts uh, about where this team is and where it's at. And, you know, worst-case scenario is, you know, I, I believe you got to split now. Uh, you have to split this last four games, and it's certainly not going to be easy going to Phoenix. Um, you know, obviously, they're fighting for a playoff spot. 
you know, Denver's been um, the number one team in the West. And, you know, it's just one of those aggravating things. And, you know, we talked about last night on the show that this is an important stretch. But, you know, I think it really will dictate the direction that this franchise looks to go when it comes to the trade deadline. If this team is, you know, if they go one and four on this trip or an zero and five, I don't know how much they're going to do with the trade deadline. Now, I, I still think that they are going to move some pieces around and some chess pieces around. Um, and it's interesting what what uh, Pat had to say. Um, you know, he's kind of of the mindset of you know the Hawks are going to make kind of a big splashy move and not in a additional an add-on kind of way, but um, it's very interesting, you know, what he had to say. And, um, you know, we'll see. It comes up on February 9th. It's going to be here, you know, once this road trip is over. Road trip ends on the 7th. Trade deadline is two days, you know, after that. And, you know, the Hawks even have, we, we talked about this last night too, you know, the Hawks don't just, you know, it's not just a, a tough road trip here, but, you know, they got Phoenix when they get back, and they've got the Cavaliers and the New York Knicks. So, you know, there's some tough games right afterward, you know, even getting in the mix, you know, when you're back home. There's some of those games are going to be tough. And, you know, it's just, you know, the month of February is going to be very interesting for for the Hawks, you know, what they do here in this, you know, first part of the week and then, you know, coming up to the trade deadline. So, um not a good night for the Hawks last night. We did get uh, good news, though. A.J. Griffin is going to play in the NBA Futures game. So, did Cam Reddish play in that game? Didn't Cam Reddish play in that in that Futures game? How's his career going? Oh, anyway. Swimmingly. Yeah, yeah. What's he, what's he not played in? I think it's like 56 days that he's not played or whatever. So, anyway. Uh, but A.J. Griffin will play in the NBA Futures game. So, that's good news. Um, you know, he's having a good season, you know, he's playing, you know, a, a good bit of minutes and he's having a pretty good season uh, thus far. So, um, and, you know, maybe that's because of, you know, depth or maybe that's because Nate's being forced to play him or what have you. But, um, you know, he's doing some good things, you know, and, and having a having a nice rookie season. So uh, he's doing some good things for the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, practices are underway at the uh, Senior Bowl down in Mobile, East-West Shrine game out in Las Vegas. Falcons are all over it. Um, Arthur Smith has been out in uh, Las Vegas uh, as part of the staff of, you know, not him specifically, but, you know, there's some Falcons on the staff for the East-West Shrine game. And then, obviously, Charles London is part of the Senior Bowl staff. So, you know, they've got all their bases covered and, and everything like that. So, I've uh, been reading some things that a lot of the quarterbacks don't look very good, you know, don't look uh, very good. And we'll talk about a little bit later on in the show. We're going to talk about one guy who's not at the Senior Bowl, who's coming off of back-to-back national championships that, you know, the director of the Senior Bowl, and it's now Jim Nagy, uh, former NFL scout. It was uh, Phil Savage for uh, the, the longest time, uh, former GM of the Cleveland Browns and you know, he ran that um, he ran the Senior Bowl for a whole lot of years when it was the I don't even know what it's called now, but I, it used to be the Reese's Senior Bowl. Maybe it still is, but still is. OK. All right. So but uh, Phil Savage had run it for a long time. And then now Jim Nagy has taken over uh, with it. So he uh, 
he had some things to say about the national championship quarterback of the last couple of years and why he's not there and everything like that. So uh, we also did get word that Todd Munkin officially interviewed with the Buccaneers. So, uh, you know, look, this is not going to be a money thing. You know, Georgia's going to be able to pay him whatever he wants. And if they, if they, you know, break him off, you know, and, and make him, you know, he's still the, he's the highest paid coordinator in college football. I believe that's right. And if not, he's, he's certainly soon going to be, but it's a matter of, you know, if he wants to go back to the NFL and, you know, I talked about this, that, you know, look, guys have dreams and ambitions. You know, we know that Todd Munkin wants to coach at some point, you know, his brother's the head coach at army. He wants to be a head coach at some point. And maybe he feels like if he can get in the NFL, that just rises up his stock. But, you know, it's going to be about fit and lifestyle and does he want to get in the NFL game and and all those things. It won't be about money, but, you know, there's – and certainly he's got some familiarity with, you know, having been, you know, with the Buccaneers in the past. I mean, it, it's just the reality of the situation. It's not that Athens isn't a great job and not that he doesn't love Athens or anything like that, but – you know, guys have other ambitions. You know, Steve Spurrier left to go coach the Redskins. You know, guys have other things that they want to do and, you know, they want to take their steps upward and all that stuff. So, you know, it's not just as easy as saying that, oh, well, why would Todd Munkin leave and the Buccaneers in a better job and all that? Well, you know, getting in the NFL is a pretty good gig. If you can get in the NFL, no matter what it is, that's a pretty good gig to have. And it's certainly, you know, the next step up from what you can do. I mean, what I mean, with all due respect, what else can Todd Munkin do at the University of Georgia? They've won back-to-back national champions. He's arguably one of the top play callers in all of college football. You know, he probably should have been the Broyles Award finalist, you know, this year. He probably should have been in the running for that. He was the year before. You know, there's there's, you know, so much that – you can do without taking over your own program or taking the next logical step up to the NFL. So we'll see what happens. It's just going to be really a waiting game. You know, it won't be a money decision. It'll be lifestyle and fit and everything else that he decides. And and he may end up coming back to Athens. You know, it's certainly not a, a bad gig by any stretch of the imagination. And they're going to have the number one team in the nation coming back. They're going to be preseason number one. You know, so they they will be in good shape, you know, no matter who's the quarterback, no matter what everything else is. They've built that program with Kirby that, you know, it's it's going to be every year that they're in national titleship contention. And, you know, unless that unless they just have a rash of injuries or anything like that. I mean, they're going to be right there near the top. So we'll see what he wants to do. Uh, but he did an interview with the uh, Buccaneers and a couple other uh, head coaching moves in the NFL. So Sean Payton is back. Denver had to give up uh, some picks, and uh, I believe it's Denver's first-round pick and a fourth-round pick. I may have a little bit of that mixed up, but um, Sean Payton is back in the NFL, and can he resurrect Russell Wilson? Because that wasn't uh, that wasn't a, a you know a, a very good season that Wilson had last year, and. You know, whether it was scheme or philosophy or their head coach or whatever, I mean, Russell Wilson did not play very well last year. And look, say what you will about Sean Payton. I've always said this. When Sean Payton was in the league, 
He's the best play caller in the NFL. And he gets more out of vagabonds and guys like that on his roster. You know, the the original, what was it, uh, Mr. Irrelevant, who was the uh, oh gosh now I can now I can't um, uh, now I gotta I gotta figure I gotta figure that up um, the original sort of Mister Irrelevant the wide receiver that was for um, for the Buccaneers oh was it Marquise Colston was that his name see I'm brain dead so um, and I wouldn't expect listen Marquise I, I, that would make sense as one Marquise Colston because he did go to the Saints he had a very good career with the Saints. Yeah, he uh that's the, that's the guy. So, um and I was trying to see where he where he was drafted but I I think it was I think he was I think it was like Mr. Irrelevant or pretty close. Yeah, so uh, to that. Two, 252nd overall is that Mr. is that the last pick? That, that's pretty close. Yeah. I mean at this point, I mean, so he might as well be irrelevant at this point, but you know, he he got real good contributions out of guys like that. So, uh, again, I, I think he's the best play caller in the NFL. And, you know, he's he's a top-flight coach. He's a Super Bowl champion coach. There ain't a whole lot of those guys running around out there. So, you know, Sean Payton is back. And then um, D'Amico Ryans is the uh, got the head coaching job with the Texans, I I hope that they give this guy a chance. That franchise is a mess. It's a mess of a disaster, of a just chaotic situation. I mean, they go through head coaches like you know, I go through toilet paper. You know, I mean, they just they just spit them out and use them, and you know, they've not had any stability at their head. I, I don't who was. I guess it was Gary Kubiak. He's probably the longest tenured coach of the Texans, right? I mean, he would have to be the longest tenured coach. And their only kind of real success that they had when, you know, they had Matt Schaub and they went to the playoffs. But it's been a dumpster fire of an organization since then. So I hope that they give D'Amico Ryans a chance to, you know, get his feet wet and, and get something built there. You know, they're not a very good roster. They certainly don't have their quarterback. But they got lots of draft capital. I mean, they got three first-rounders from the Cleveland Browns and I think a fifth-rounder or something like that. They got a whole bunch of draft capital over the next few years. So you parlayed Deshaun Watson, you know, into something. You know, let's see what they can build uh, with all of it. So D'Amico Ryans is uh, is going to the Texans, and, and he was, you know, an outstanding D.C. for the 49ers here um, of late. But um, certainly hope that they give him a chance. All right, 404-741-0929. That's our phone line. Who's been more disappointing this year, John Collins or DeAndre Hunter? We'll ask you that question. We'll open up the phone lines, put Dylan to work out there since he didn't work yesterday. So, Chuck Green, the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, 92 on the game, odyssey.com app. Worried? 
worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Back to more John Chuckery. This party's gonna rock. Make some noise! Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back with you, John Chuckery Show. Hanging out in the Kia Studios on this Tuesday evening. 404-741-0929. That is our phone line and our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line. We're going to take your calls this segment here. Who's been more disappointing, John Collins or DeAndre Hunter? We'll get to your calls here in just a, a couple of minutes. Uh, Odyssey website catches on the go. Social media is at 19 on the game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. At JMCH316, at underscore Dylan Matthews. We will play, we will play Rankham coming up at 1040 this evening, so make sure you get your questions in your list, or I should say your lists uh, in um, about 20 minutes from right now. We'll talk to Josh Alper, pro uh, football writer for profootballtalk.com. We'll uh, talk some Super Bowl and some offseason and these coaching moves and everything else with Josh coming up here in about 20 minutes. But asking you the question, who's been more disappointing, John Collins or DeAndre Hunter? You know, when you look at John Collins' numbers, He's now at his second lowest scoring average since his rookie year. He's down to 13 and a half points per game. He's been on a four-year tra- trajectory of not scoring as many points as the year before. In 2019-2020, he was 21-6 a game, then down to 17-6 a game, then down to 16-2 a game, then down this year to 13 and a half points per game. He's over eight points per game less than what he was four years ago. And he's not 35, 36 years old. He's 25. Now, games played and all that kind of stuff, that's not factoring in his per-game average. That's a whole separate discussion. He's averaging 31.6 minutes per game this year. That's fourth on the Atlanta Hawks. Um, that's up from the year before of 30.8 and up from the year before 29.3. So he's playing more minutes. His shooting percentage is four years running down again, 1920, you know, the 1920 season, 58, three, 55, And his three point percentage 2019, 2020, 40.1, 39.9, 36.4, down to 25.9%. And he's still averaging the same amount of threes that he has for the last four years. He's still shooting as many three-pointers per game as, as what he did. Now, he's not shooting as many field goals uh, per game, His field goal number, his average number of field goals has gone down last year. So it went from 14-8 to 14-8 in 
in 2019-2020, 12-2, and 10.4. So if you're still shooting the same number of threes as you were four years ago, but you're taking less shots and you're hitting more of them, it's not working itself out. Then let's flip over to DeAndre Hunter. And I said this in the crossover with Dukes and Bell. We'll go hot takey. He's becoming a glorified Kent Bazemore. Dylan, what do you think of the 10 players that are in the main rotation for the Atlanta Hawks, okay? okay. What do you think his defensive rating is among the Atlanta Hawks players? 10 players, what do you think his defensive rating is? And by the way, if you don't know what defensive rating is, that's number of points a player allows during 100 possessions, okay? It's it's a more finite statistic than just plus minus because that factors everybody on the court. Right. This is defensive rating. Where do you think that he ranks in defensive rating among the 10 players for the Hawks? Third. Ninth. He ranks ninth? The only player wow. who has a worse defensive rating is Trey Young. Now, That's to, be, to be fair, and, and Pat Benson and I brought this up, he does arguably guard one of the you know best scorers on the other team. Right. But it goes – but here, here's the thing. So the Hawks as a team have a defensive rating of 115, okay? Capella's number one at 110.3. Trey is 10th at 118.7. Okongwu second, Jalen Johnson third, Collins is fourth, Murray fifth, Holiday sixth, A.J. Griffin seventh, Bogey is eighth, and then DeAndre Hunter comes in at 118. He's ninth among the Atlanta Hawks with 118 defensive rating. That's .7 difference between him and Trey Young. Only Trey Young is considered a worse defensive player. And this is not based on number of games and things like that. It's your rating when you're out there on defense. He's becoming a glorified Kent uh, Kent Bazemore. He's a 15-5 guy who's a nice defensive player, but he certainly hasn't lived up to. He was the best defensive player in college. He was the best on-ball defender coming out of college at Virginia. Without question, he was the best defensive player coming out in the draft. And it all just hasn't translated. You know, I'd understand if he was fourth or fifth or something, maybe even sixth, but he's second from the bottom. Only Trey Young is right there with him. So I'll ask you, 404-741-0929, who's been more disappointing this season? John Collins? Or DeAndre Hunter. Let's take uh, Owen out in Southwest Atlanta. What's going on, Owen? Hey guys, how you doing? Good, buddy. How's it going, man? Listen, I'm gonna be honest with you. To 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 into to for both of them, I'm gonna say DeAndre Hunter has been the been the most upsetting for me because, like, unlike John, we've been hearing about him for the last four years of being traded. And I'm going to give John a pass because I go to all the games and I see 
that they don't utilize John right. They don't get him the ball down on the block where he is, where he can get you points. He's standing out on the three-point line like he's a three-point shooter. He's not a three-point shooter. You use the guy on the block. They don't use utilize John right. So for John numbers to be where they are before before um when it was him and Trey, John used to get twenty-one and ten. If you notice that, oh yeah. Now that all these other things have come in, John's numbers have suffered because he's not getting the ball. But back to um Hunter, Hunter man, he should at least be giving us at least twenty points a, a game. He should at least be getting twenty points. He gets the touches, and he has been a disappoint, a quiet, quiet disappointment for me because he is not stopping anybody on defense. He is not. Appreciate so it, Owen. So we paid him. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Thank you. Yep. And look, here's the thing. DeAndre Hunter is a $20 million player next year. He goes from 9.8 to $20 million, and then in three years, he's a $25 million player again. Now, I do believe, to your point, that – and I talked about this on my podcast earlier today. I do believe that – Part of John Collins, and when I filled in one time on Dukes and Bell, we Mike Bell and I talked to Steve Coonan about this, that when you're being rumored for every trade scenario and you're going to be shipped out and the blue checkmark media, all your buddies out there in the blue checkmark media, they swore to me on draft night that he was going to get traded. I talked to them and I heard, oh, he's going to get traded. And they tweeted it out and all this kind of stuff. And then it was, well, he's going to get traded before the season. And it does, I think, take a toll on you. I, I do believe that. And Steve Coonan talked about that as well. That it it they are human. And, you know, for a team that, for a franchise that drafted you, and I understand it's supposed to be business. But when you're drafted by a franchise, and again, I, I didn't think it was, I thought it was crazy talk when, you know, you sign John Collins to a $125 million deal, and then you're talking about trading him. without, with, with Not even one season later, you're talking about trading him. And I'm like, how is this happening? Why would you have signed him to a $125 million contract if less than a year later you were going to trade him? That doesn't make any sense. So I, I do think that there is something to that. But it certainly has been you know, four years where the numbers are declining from a shooting percentage, from a three-point percentage, from a scoring percentage, they're dropping. Marco out in Buckhead. What's going on, Marco? Hey, what up, John? It's great to have you back on the radio, by Thanks, the way. buddy. Appreciate it, man. All right. So on this one, um, I'll definitely say out of the two, DeAndre Hunter is more disappointing because with JC, it's more like a scheme in the way the NBA is. And then at least he's gotten better on defense. Um, for DeAndre, he has. When we first by the drafted, way, he has. Yes, yeah, definitely. Yeah. For DeAndre, I was uh, when we first drafted him, I was apprehensive because I thought he was going to be like maybe a little better than Shane Battier. But at this point, I would rather have a guy like Shane Battier with a defined role because DeAndre is just like not great at anything. He's just sort of good at some things, average at others, and sort of doesn't have a lot of impact. So that's pretty much it. that. That's a good point. I appreciate the phone call. Um, he's not great at one thing. He's just kind of good at a few different things, right? But you know what, though? Again, it's a 25, he's a $25 million player. He's going to be $21 million next year, 
and he's going to be in three years $25 million. That's a lot to pay for a guy that, you know, is – and, again, the cap's going to go up and all that kind of stuff. But it's still a lot of money to pay for a glorified Kent Bazemore. 404-741-0929. That is our phone line uh, to be a part of the show. Uh, Donald, uh, where's Donald at? Uh, Riverdale. Donald in Riverdale. What's going on, Don? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Uh, you know, I, I agree with what you're saying, and one of the other guys said, but you know, I, I you know, I don't, I, I don't think it's a fair assessment how you broke it down about the defense of DeAndre Hunter com- in comparison, because I think he has been a better defense than those numbers show. Now, and, and, and you know, I know he don't guard the Kevin Durant every night, but you know something about me, man. Nate McMillan has to get the best out of each and every one of these players, and I don't think he's doing that. And it's like one of the guys mentioned the other day on the radio, you know, he's old school. Well, not only he's old school, he goes against tradition. It's just like not using a timeout that a uh, couple of weeks ago or so, you know, when we needed and, and the radio was saying the same thing. Why didn't he call timeout? I mean, he just he's just not the guy that's what we need to be. This franchise has suffered a long time in Atlanta. Nate McMillan is not going to get us out that mood, and we have a better team. We ain't been but a couple of years. We was in the Eastern Conference, Conference Finals. I know we don't have Herder now, which I still wish we did have, but Nate McMillan, he's not the guy. He has to get this team together. You know, that's what he has to do because these players are much better players than that. I like John Collins, but, you know, with – the point guard, Trey Young, got the ball in his hand and everything. Okay, only thing they can do is alley hoop to one another because Nate McMillan don't have no plays. And like the guy say, he don't get down in the block and do nothing. John Collins, I think, can take some guys, man, down in that paint because pre- he's very athletic. Yeah, but, but Nate McMillan got to go, man. We're well, not going to get nowhere with the, Nate the, the reality is, is that, and I appreciate the phone call, I, I, Nate's not going to be back next year. So, I, you know, again – we were talking to Kurt Heelan next week. He said pretty much he doesn't have any source that thinks Nate McMillan is going to be back next year. It's not going to be back. But to your point, um, you know, look, DeAndre Hunter isn't guarding Kevin Durant every single night, but you would think that his rating would be better than that. Uh, again, a guy that came out of college as the best defensive player in America. <laughs> He was a shutdown player. He was Stacy Augman level in college. Like, he was that level of defensive player. And it's not translated completely to the NBA game. So, it's frustrating, I will say that. All right, when we get back, Pro Football Talk's Josh Alper will uh, join the program. We'll talk some Super Bowl. We'll talk some NFL offseason with him. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, not to the game, odyssey.com app. We've heard so much about you. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back with you, John Chuckery Show. Hanging out in the Kia Studios on this Tuesday evening. 404 That's the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part 
of the show. The Odyssey app's how you catch us on the go. Social media is at 9 on the game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm at JMSH316 on Twitter. He is at underscore Dylan Matthews. We'll talk to our buddy Pat Benson coming up here at 820. Super Bowl set happens in a couple of weeks. A lot of uh, news and notes around the NFL. A couple of coaching hires today. Let's head out to the WadeFord.com hotline. Let's talk to our buddy Josh Alper. He is a uh, NFL writer for ProFootballTalk.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Josh Alper. And, you know, Josh, we don't always get this, but I really do feel like the two best teams in the NFL are playing in the Super Bowl. And I don't know what the record is, but those two teams were 28-6 and during the regular season. I don't think there's much doubt that we got the two best teams in, in all of the NFL in the Super Bowl this year. No, I think you're right. And I think it, it's, it's been a while since both number one seeds have made it through. And I think it was, just, it was such an interesting weekend because it was the two teams that had been the best over the long run against the two hottest teams in the league. So it was really, uh, you know, an interesting, interesting pair of matchups and, you know, I, I wish that Eagles 49ers game didn't have the quarterback injury because I would have loved to see that play out uh, with everybody all hands on deck. But I think you're right. I think the two teams that were the best from week one to, to last weekend are the two teams that advanced to the Super Bowl. You know, Josh, the referees, the NFL referees took a lot of abuse and, you know, things like that with the in the Cincinnati-Kansas City game. Is there going to be any fallout from all of this? I mean, you know, we've seen, you know, 9,000 proposals and they want to change rules and just, is there really any going to be any fallout from what happened on Sunday in that game? I don't think there's going to be much. I, I mean, I, I think that, you know, that big moment where they, they basically, re, you know, replayed a down, um, is uh it's a rare occurrence and there was really no no way once the referee had misspoke at the, the start of play there wasn't much to do about that and look there's no appetite for replay for penalty flags there just isn't I, I think you will see an expansion of the you know expedited replay reviews to try and avoid what happened in the, the san francisco philadelphia game with the Devonte smith catch and even with the fumble on the Brock Purdy sack uh, by Hassan Reddick, where, where the Eagles had to challenge to get that. I think those are pretty clear and obvious plays that need to get overturned more quickly and more efficiently. I think you'll see things move in that direction, but I, I don't think you're going to see some fundamental change in the way officiating happens. NFL writer for ProFootballTalk.com, Josh Alper, joining us here on the WaitFord.com hotline. Any surprise that Sean Payton got back into the the coaching game? I mean, you know, I I just feel like that it just it didn't end the way that he wanted it, and you know, I I just always thought that it was going to be you know a year or so that he would sit out, but you know, even with having to give up draft picks and things like that, somebody was going to come calling for him because I still think he's one of the better play callers in all the NFL. Yeah, I think the only surprise I had would, would be that, that Den, you know, going all in with Denver and Russell Wilson at this point, um, maybe he feels that if things don't get fixed, he'll have enough rope to make another move in, in 2024 and, and go with a different quarterback. Uh, I, I think that, you know, I, I, I do have a feeling that, that a few coaches were hoping that something would happen with the Chargers. 
in order to have a chance to coach Justin Herbert. I, I'm, a, I'm a little surprised that, that Sean Payton would be eager to, to, you know, take on the, the task of fixing Russell Wilson unless he really feels that it's going to be a pretty simple task. I, I don't believe it will be, but I, I think that's the only part that's surprising to me. He was pretty open all along that he was getting back into coaching sooner rather than later. Josh, let's, uh, let's ask you a Falcons question. How close do you see the Falcons being a playoff team? And, you know, again, the division and everything was a mess or whatever like that, but how close do you see them, and especially with the second most cap space being able to spend, <coughs> excuse me, the number eight pick in the draft among others, how, how much do you, or how close do you think that they can be to being a playoff team come next season? Look, I, I think they would have had a really good chance of winning that division this year if they had gotten better quarterback play. I think that's really what it's going to come down to for the Falcons going into next season. If if their quarterback position clearly looks better than it did with, with Marcus Mariota and, and Desmond Ritter this year, if you have a, a upgrade on Mariota and, and, you know, continued belief that Ritter can be a guy who – who can be a quarterback for you down the line. And, and if he wins a competition against a established vet, so be it. Um, but I don't think either one should take you out of the running for a, a draft pick. If you really love somebody and your evaluation tells you that that quarterback's going to be a, a big star, they need to get that position settled. Once they get that settled, I think a lot of other pieces will fall into place or, or are in place. I, I you know, I, I like the, London and Pitt, I, I still think Pitts is a player capable of much more. I think he was hurt more than anyone by the quarterback issues this year. They show they can run the ball. They have a nice depth of that, and, and they've started working on the defense, and I think they've made two good hires on the defensive side of the ball in terms of Ryan Nielsen and Jerry Gray in, in terms of really in implementing a a scheme that, that can work and can build on what you know, what they've done to this point. I think there's a lot to like about the direction they're going, but until there's a quarterback, you can't really say this is a playoff team. Josh Alper from ProFootballTalk.com, joining us on the WadeFord.com hotline. Let me ask you about quarterbacks because, you know, I don't know, whatever, three, four years ago, you know, the, the chatter was what will the league look like when Brady, Breeze, Manning, um, you know, Rodgers and Roethlisberger and all of those guys are gone that are probably all going to the Hall of Fame when all is said and done. You know, what would the quarterbacks of today look like? And it seems like when you talk about, you know, Burrow and Mahomes and, you know, Jalen Hurts and, you know, Josh Allen, it seems like that the quarterbacks of today are in pretty good shape, and and they're having a lot of success even early on in their NFL careers. Yeah, I I think that's definitely the case. I I think, you know, Jalen Hurts is a guy who was looking like a late-round pick at the end of his final college season and and worked his way up to the second round and and now has worked his way into MVP consideration. I, I think... A lot of it has to do with where you land with the co- right coach and the right team. And again, J- you know, Jalen Hurts has gotten time. He, he's gotten time to get better. He's gotten a team that was behind him. Uh, I, I think that's very important. You saw it with the Giants, even with Daniel Jones this year. 
when you tailor your offense to what a guy can do, instead of trying to force him into a quarterback that he may not be, your chances of success are much greater. And I think that's always something to keep in mind. And I think it's something, you know, to keep it local for the Falcons that you can't get locked into an Arthur Smith style quarterback or, or something like that. You have to be open to taking what a quarterback can do and, and maximizing it and, and doing that for as long as you can. And I think those are the teams that you're seeing thrive. And, and I think that's the reason why the 49ers made it as far as they did with such a, you know, a ragged quarterback situation this year. If you don't land a Joe Burrow or a Patrick Mahomes at the top of a draft, you have to be open to doing things in a lot of different ways. And and I think that's something that some of the league has been faster to catch on to than others. Are we also seeing an era where, you know, some of these new blood, younger coaches, Zach Taylor, Nick Sirianni, you know, Brian Dayball, you know, those guys are, are also having a lot of success and have turned some of their organizations around. Are we, you know, are we getting away from, you know, even besides just the old guard of quarterbacks, maybe some of the old guard of coaches uh, around the NFL? Yeah, I, I think that's that's happening at, at a very rapid rate. And, and I think, look, I, I think there's always corrections and, and back and forth, but Sean McVay changed what the NFL looks for in a head coach. And Zach Taylor is a, is a direct recipient of that, a direct descendant of that. Nick Sirianni is a direct, you know, uh, descendant of that. And then on the other side, you do still have Andy Reid and, and Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick and guys that have certainly established themselves over a much longer period of time. Um, and, and I think it's interesting as you watch the, the hires that teams are making this offseason, things, you know, you have two former head coaches of, of the three jobs that have been filled right now, um, getting those jobs and, and, you know, Dan Quinn was a candidate and, Jim Caldwell interviewed. I, I think that there is more of an openness to bringing someone back. You, you saw what Doug Peterson did this year for, for Jacksonville. I think there's an openness to bringing people back at the same time that you have this eternal search for the next 35-year-old coordinator who, who you think can be your coach for the ten, next 10 years. So do you think that, you know, it's interesting that you brought up Dan Quinn. Do you think that it's been a matter of, Dan Quinn hasn't had offers to be, even though he's interviewed, that he hasn't had offers for a head coaching spot, or he hasn't just found the right spot to be a head coach at? I, I would be hard-pressed to, to think that he's gotten offers that, that he hasn't accepted. Um, I, I think you look at Denver this year. I mean, he interviewed for them the last two years, and there was a lot of buzz that he might be the guy in Denver early on. but. You know, he pulled out to go back to be with the Cowboys. I, I don't know how much of that is him saying, I, I don't wish to be considered, and how much it's uh, an experienced, savvy coach knowing which way the wind is blowing and, and getting ahead of the story. I, I think it's probably more of the latter. And I think that there is, every year there's going to be a, a, an appetite for a coach like Dan Quinn and I do think there's some matter of it that's going to be the right fit with the right ownership group and everything clicks and, and they decide that that's the way they go. But I, I also think, especially now that Sean Payton is in Denver, that staying in Dallas looks like it's probably going to be his best path to another head coaching job. 
Last question for you, Josh. Um, we uh, saw that Todd Munkin, uh, Georgia offensive coordinator, interviewed for the open OC spot with the Buccaneers. What does your gut tell you that he does? Does he stay at Georgia, or does he try to get back into the NFL and, and work his way back into maybe a, a really good head coaching job in college or, you know, even if it happens in the pros or whatever? What, what's your gut kind of tell you? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think if he wanted to be a college head coach, the place to be is, is at Georgia. I, I think that that probably would have been uh, – you look at, at – past history that being the, you know, the offensive coordinator at Georgia, a, a team that wins back-to-back national titles and, and the work he did with Setson Bennett would seem to be of great appeal to a, a college team looking for a head coach. It, it's not quite as transferable to the NFL, but for a team like Tampa, that's going to most likely, I mean, who knows with Tom Brady, but let, let's say they're going to have a, a new quarterback this year and someone in a chance to teach and a chance to show that he can do that at the NFL level. I think would make him an appealing candidate for the NFL at, at some point too, because offense always is. And that level of experience that he has is, is going to be appealing to some ownership over uh, a 34 year old, 35 year old. That's only been doing it for a couple of years on Twitter at Josh Alper, NFL writer for ProFootballTalk.com. Josh joined us here on the waitfor.com hotline. Josh is always buddy. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for, uh, you know, the information, and uh, we'll certainly uh, keep in touch. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a busy offseason here, so we'll be talking, you know, closer to the draft and everything else. Will do. Appreciate it. We get back from the uh, top of the hour. It will be a Falcons flyover. We have a uh, assistant head coach and our DB's coach that's been hired, plus some other news and notes as well. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, and the Odyssey.com app.